This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Junkyard Dogcast. We got the whole crew with us this week. I'm Jordan Hill. We got Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams. Let's start with you, Rusty. You were with me in the press box there at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Uh, how is this week treating you as we get ready to turn the page to week two for Georgia? Well, it's good timing because right now, if you're watching this live on the SEC Network, is the replay of the Georgia Oregon game. Uh, we've all probably watched it a couple times now. Uh, I mean, obviously, Jordan, we sit there and Kind of looked at each other a couple of times like, wow. I mean, like this is – I think everybody here was comfortable in picking Georgia. I think we all pretty much picked them, you know, spread, cover, uh, that type of deal. But to go in totally dominate Oregon, um, Jordan, you said it all fair while ago. I think you kind of said it right. We don't really know what Oregon's got, but we knew Georgia could be explosive. Did we think seven for seven for seven touchdowns explosive? I did not, but – we shall see. It was very impressive. Uh, offensive output, the defense obviously played well, and they look fast. You know what I mean? That's the biggest thing I'll take if we're going to take a quick hitter on that game. The biggest thing that I saw from Georgia defensively is that speed is still there. And then you add a kid like Malachi Starks in uh, with his overall athleticism on the back end too. Man, that that's, that's scary for future opponents for Georgia. Throw it to you, Kip, who handled our post-game podcast. Obviously, you had a lot to talk about coming off of that game. Uh, what were your thoughts on what you got to see and, and what kind of stood out to you about Georgia in that win? Yeah, it, it's tough for us to know for sure what we saw because only one opponent out there. And then, you know, this weekend, I'm not really sure we're going to learn a whole lot about Georgia as well. But uh, at the same time, I, I'm interested to see – what what this defense does this season because it was an interesting look uh you know only three tackles for loss i think they averaged like five yards per play no three and outs and yet you know it, it kind of seemed like they were playing to a game plan they kind of knew what bo nicks was going to give them and, and so they they were fine with that they were you know they were completely okay with with what Oregon's defense or offense was going to do I don't think they were really surprised by anything you know those first two series you kind of uh you know you want you want to see if there's any new looks and then and then kind of get comfortable out there and I, and it was interesting because it, it just kind of seemed that Oregon played into Georgia's defense and and that's exactly what what Georgia wanted so I'm interested in seeing maybe if this defense gives different looks uh you know the different opponents this year or if this is kind of what Georgia's defense is going to be, kind of that bend but don't break defense. Uh, offensively, I, I think you have to be excited about what you saw out there. Uh, Todd Monken with a full offseason, I think, uh, you know, this is exactly uh, 
the kind of offense he kind of wanted to run, attacking the perimeter. Uh, this was not the the George of old, running it up the middle and then kind of throwing it, you know, down the field in those low percentage, you know, uh, the 50 uh, 50 balls that you hope for out there. This was a high percentage uh, efficient offense. And, and this is exactly what uh, Georgia fans have been hoping to see. And if they see that the whole year, uh, I think uh, it'll be a pretty exciting time for Georgia fans. Brian Bivens in the comments said Chris Smith was just playing lights out. Yeah, man, I was incredibly impressed with the way Chris played. And and it was so striking to see him, a super senior, you know, making plays like that. And then obviously we saw Malachi, a true freshman in his first game. What a what a great showing from both those guys. Well, this is going to be our mailbag episode for this week. So we've got questions from our message board. Also, if you are in the comments watching us uh, live on YouTube or on Facebook Live as well, uh, go in in the comments and leave us some questions. We'll try to get them as well as uh, the questions we got from the junkyard. And we're going to start with one from Hooper Dog, and this will be for Rusty. Uh, more of a recruiting question. Saturday was a billboard for UGA recruiting. Will it work? And uh, as part of that question, apart from Hakeem and Tyler Williams, is there any other receivers you think Georgia could be in the mix for coming off of that game? I mean, it's one game, so you don't, you know, I think – that did not hurt at all. That did not hurt Georgia's chances with any skill player at all. It's, it's one game, however, um, you, you know it's a it's a a sample. And uh, what can Georgia show Kirby Smart to make that comment in the press conference afterwards to say, look, you know, hey, people, we know people are watching and people we want an offense that people want to play in. Uh, that dude's always recruiting, and he made that that was a very deliberate message. And uh, I think with Georgia, I've made it clear, you know, that they get negative recruited against. And, you know, you can argue both sides of it. I'm telling you what teams use against Georgia. And is that they don't get a lot of touches at wide receiver. You're going to share touches. And no one's had a 1,000 yards since, what, Terrence Edwards. So, you know, and you can combat that. Well, hey, they got these first-round tight ends and running backs are getting touches and everybody's getting touches. But at the end of the day, you can work the angle how you want to. And schools work that angle against Georgia uh, of less draft picks right now in the upper rounds and lack of production. Now, with that being said, what I saw Saturday would not hurt Georgia at all with players. Did one game change anybody's mind? Probably not. Would three or four games sample sizes help Georgia? Yes. So I'm inter interested. Jordan and Kit, we've both been watching games a long time. To me, this is a game Saturday that if Georgia gets a lead, they would suffocate you and run the ball and run the clock out. Is this a game where Georgia's going to turn it loose, let Carson Beck, Brock Vandergrift, the younger guys, the wide receivers, if they get that lead that we expect them to, will they stay on the gas and just really work this thing until the end and continue to say, hey, this is this is Georgia. Um you know, I, I think that uh, that's what I want to watch this weekend. So specifically recruiting, that was one game, did not hurt, but recruits want to see that over an extended period of time. And Georgia has that opportunity, you know, every week now. But uh, specifically this week, this is one of those games, and Kip knows this as well as anyone. This is one of those games where Georgia gets up 34 to nothing, and they kind of grind it out to finish this game off. So we'll see where it is. Uh, we'll say, you know, the, the Sanford staff and, and, and Georgia staff, a lot of ties, a lot of friendships there. So not sure how that thing ends up there, but I want to see how Georgia plays as another sample size to recruits. With recruits, they can meet with after the game this time. 
they can come down before and after the game. It'll be fascinating to the point you made, Rusty, because when you look at Todd Munkin, he's got air raid background. And, I mean, what Georgia did, you know, on Saturday wasn't necessarily that. But, you know, there is so much passing in those offenses. It could be a situation where they recognize the amount of options they have and, and knowing that that is their best means to attack and the best ways to go after teams. So, again, it'll be really fascinating to see uh, against Sanford on Saturday and, and see if it is kind of, uh, a good uh, barometer for what we could see going forward. Uh, go to one of the Facebook users who had a question. Do you believe that the Stetson we got to see on Saturday will be the Stetson we see all year long? Is this because he had the entire offseason to be QB1? Now, I'll start by saying I don't know if he's going to go. I think he started 13 of 15, and cool. two, the two incompletions were throwaways. But I, I do think that he can have a really good year. I mean, Going back to media days when we picked all SEC, I didn't have him as my top two. I went uh, Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker, but I had Stetson third. And, and I, I just kind of felt like with the offense, with the fact that, again, this guy was not taking first-team reps, you know, was when he got thrust into this role last season. I mean, at one point in fall camp, he was getting third-team reps. So I think there's such a, a an area, an opportunity for him to get better. I don't think I'm putting the Heisman odds. I know people have loved talking about that, and it's something, obviously, that you just never know because he's got the storyline. We know with the Heisman, storyline's a big part of it. So, you know, he, if he has a really good season, we may hear more of it. But I think he is in a position to have a very good year. I think you saw on Saturday, there really wasn't, other than that one uh, play to Lab McConkey, that kind of wild scramble touchdown, there wasn't a whole lot of those where you're sitting up there going, man, like, what are you do? What are you doing? You know, like, what? Just just eat it. That might have been the only play. And Stetson admitted as much afterwards. He was like, yeah, that, that was probably not that smart, but it worked out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he can have a really, really good year, and I think he's in a good position uh, to do so. Uh, Kip, what are your thoughts just on Stetson coming off of that game and, and what we could see going forward? Well, he definitely had, you know, pretty much – as much time as he needed to, to find the open receivers. I think uh, you got to give some credit to the offensive line and they, they rotated guys in there. I mean, you saw Marius Mims uh, rotating in, you saw Warren McClendon playing both tackle spots, uh, different guards in there as well. But it, at the same time, I, I think you, you got to see Stetson Bennett, you know, calm and mostly protected in that pocket. And that's what you expect a guy who's in his sixth year, who's going to be turning 25 soon, uh, who had an all-off season with Todd Bonking. You expect him to be able to, to pick apart a defense like that. You would hope so. So, you know, it definitely looked good. And also, it just showed, like I said, that Todd Monken's going to – he's going – he knows his personnel, and he's going to go with high-percentage plays. And there was a lot of stuff on the perimeter in this game. Uh, will that be the look they get all year? I'm interested to see, but if you're a defensive coordinator now, you saw that and you go, this is not the Georgia of old and we have to prepare to defend the pass. And I mean, that also just opens it up for, for anyone worried about the run game. I think if you, if now defenses have to prepare for Stetson Bennett to pick them apart, and then that's going to open up a lot of uh, run lanes for the for these running backs. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if this is kind of the Georgia offense you see all year. And then at the same time, going back to Rusty's uh, question about wide receiver recruiting, if Kenny McIntosh is a thousand yard receiver, does 
does that t- kind of take away that narrative against Georgia or does that just help them uh, have a RBU uh, state, but does that help them in running back recruiting? I'm interested to see how they would approach that. If it actually ends up being Kenny McIntosh as the next thousand yard receiver for Georgia. Big plot twist if that winds up happening, but I was super impressed not only with how he played, but how Todd Munkin and those guys used him. I mean, I thought that they put him in positions to to make plays. Turn into another question, and it's it's one we've kind of already hit on. The dog who barks asked, "Is what we did Saturday sustainable? Has the offense arrived, or was Oregon really just that bad?" I hate to kind of cop out on this answer, but I think it's a little of both. I think you did get a good feel for what we could see. I think they're not afraid to get several different guys involved in the passing game. At the same time, that was the very first game for Dan Lanning and that entire staff. They do not have one coach that was there in the 2021 season that is back in 2022. Obviously, they were still figuring out personnel, things like that. I still think Oregon's going to be good. I mean, I think they're probably an eight or nine win team. Um, but I wouldn't expect uh, seven drives and seven touchdowns uh, going through like it's, you know, I don't know, like 05 Texas or something like that, just rolling through teams uh, left and right. Uh, Rusty, what are your thoughts on that as far as what to kind of take between was Georgia really just that good or was Oregon, you know, really having issues? Yeah, tough, ta- tall task for Oregon to walk into that building, play Georgia. Uh, Georgia's, they're built well-oiled machine right now and Oregon is is just now starting their grind together so uh you know I put a tweet out on this I think Sunday that Arkansas got absolutely ran out of Sanford Stadium last year and everybody knows that game was could have been a if if Kirby Smart and Sam Pittman weren't so close that one could have got really 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 bad um and that was a game you watch you go back and watch how many times Kirby Smart ran the ball in the third and fourth quarter uh, up 40. so um and, and they wind up beating Penn State Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, Mississippi State, uh, they went on to have a hell of a season. So I don't think you write off Oregon quite yet. Uh, it's just a, a bad deal. So they um, uh, just a bad deal to uh, for them to start off. But with Georgia, seven for seven, uh, I don't. that's not going to be the norm. But this offense can be explosive. I think everybody that covers Georgia understood the personnel they had coming back. I don't think that they've got enough credit yet, but they will. But Georgia has three offensive tackles right now that are NFL players. And they got two of them, in my opinion, that could be first rounders in Amarius Williams and Broderick Jones. I think Warren McClendon's a little bit limited, but he is the most experienced guy and he's going to play, continue to play. Uh, I think he's a third or fourth rounder from what talking to people early on. So that's not a, a slouch over there. Uh, but but Amarius Mims and Broderick Jones, I'm not sure there's two better looking offensive linemen in the country anywhere when those two guys trot out. So uh, that that has a lot to do with Georgia and what they're able to do because Stetson Bennett has time to sit back there and um, you know you start talking about you know God don't get us jinxed here, but you start looking forward to maybe December and that next game with Georgia and Alabama, and you say you know wouldn't you like to see Amarius Mims and lock up with Will Anderson? or Broderick Jones lock up with Dallas Turner for four quarters. See those? I mean, that is NFL on NFL. We'll take uh, one more question before we go to a break, and it is from Yo Pickle J, who asked, if we are going to drop a regular season game, who will it be to? And we've kind of had these conversations going back to the preseason. I still, the two teams at this point, you know, I I had this game, I think I had Georgia as about a 10-point favorite, but, I don't think you can count out Florida by the way they played. I was probably the most impressed 
of any SEC team other than Georgia would have been what Florida did. Because I, th- I still think that Utah team is a very good team and, and would still be my pick to win that conference. We always know what it's like in Jacksonville. You just never know what's going to happen. All kinds of crazy things. Was really impressed with what I saw with Anthony Richardson. So that's probably an, equal, an equalizer. Somebody that can, you know, Georgia's speed. Well, Anthony Richardson is going to stress Georgia every play. So I agree with, you know, my two cents there. I think Florida's a team that with him against that defense, that could be an issue. I agree. And the only other game, too, that I still was one I pointed to before was just Mississippi State going at Mississippi State. That game, they looked, they looked good. And they actually the ran the ball a decent bit. I mean, much more than you would really expect from Mike Leach. But the fact that game is late in the year, obviously we don't know what Georgia's health is going to look like. But all those can we, can, we, can we mention Tennessee so Jordan doesn't get, just cut us all off too. The producer, so. the producer Jordan's going to be like, hey, man. Hey, I was impressed. I know it was Ball State, but that's an offense that's going to put up a lot of points. Yep. Uh, Kip, what do you think? Uh, what games kind of stand out to you? Again, I, I think Florida and Mississippi State are the ones that kind of stand out to me as ones that Georgia's going to have to really, really uh, watch out for when they get here. Yeah, definitely. I think it, I'll, I'm interested to see how what Kentucky and Florida look like this weekend with Kentucky out all those running backs. You know, what that offense kind of looks like uh, and if they're able to really – consistently uh, muster any offense can will levis put a team on his back you know he threw for 300 yards three touchdowns uh last week but uh this florida team will be a little bit different a challenge for him at the same time we saw anthony richardson you know he had over 100 yards rushing and three touchdowns but you know is 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 that going to be the you know the main dimension of his game can he kind of put it all together as a quarterback and, and really force defenses to have to defend, you know, the pass and the run. If, if he's a true dual threat in that aspect, then I agree. Uh, that's the aspect that gives a defense like Georgia the most issues. And it it would be the biggest test for Georgia. Uh, I'm starting to, you know, to, to lean toward Florida over Mississippi State. But again, week one, these are the week one overreactions. I think we're going to, you know, we'll learn a little bit more about Florida this week. And then uh, as the season goes on, I think we'll we'll have a better feel for if Mississippi State can truly push Georgia. Right now, though, I mean, it, it does it does bode well for Georgia. I think the schedule works real well. I'm not sure what we're going to learn from Mississippi State this week against Arizona. Uh, I think the you know that's going to be a game where Mississippi State should win by two touchdowns. Uh, but at the same time, uh, that that's kind of one of those games you watch. Anytime you have a quarterback coming off a five touchdown, 450 yard performance. It's going to be something to keep an eye on, but he's a one-dimensional the other way. If you're going to throw the ball 50 times, I think Georgia's going to, you know, they're going to be prepared and kind of know what to look for. So uh, two offenses that look kind of explosive in one aspect, but you kind of have to put it all together if you're going to really going to uh, test this Georgia defense moving forward. One more question before we get a break. Craig Lawson said, Darnell Washington is a confirmed ogre, yes or yes. Uh, that dude is just a freak. Uh, that that poor Oregon defender. My sources confirm. That poor Oregon defender had no shot, the one who tried to tackle him. I mean, again, the word that has been used over and over with the tight ends is mismatch. And if you're like, I don't know what that means, go put that play on that Darnell had when he just – Pretty much walked through one tackle and then jumped another guy because they, they just have nothing for those guys. No, especially on the edge. When he sets that edge, it's over. I mean, he is he's got that reach, uh, you know, that 
could maybe make Amarius Mims jealous. You know, he, he just has the ability to, uh, as I said on the junk guard, he can block out the sun uh, when he wants to. And so, uh, you know, as a run blocker, but also as a pass catcher, uh, they, they just don't make him like that. I mean, there's a reason why the camera focus on him and the announcers start talking about him anytime they see him because he looks different than everybody else in the field. So it's, yeah, Todd Hartley's not losing any sleep right now. He's he's feeling pretty good. When you got, you know, a guy like Eric Gilbert as as maybe your fourth string or, you know, fighting with Oscar Delp for your third string tight end snaps, uh, you've got a pretty good position room. We're going to take a quick break. Before we do, uh, make sure and encourage everybody to go subscribe to Dogs247 on YouTube. If you're in the chat, you can see uh, the link to that. All kinds of great content there. You can see all our videos and all our podcasts. So we'll take a quick break and then come back and answer some more questions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Welcome back, everybody. Well, mentioning what you did, Kip, just before we went to break was a good question that Nash Dog 18 had. Delp ahead of Gilbert. I'll actually throw this to Rusty. We saw the reps were about split. If I'm not mistaken, Pro Football Focus had Oscar Delp with, I think, 13 in-game reps on Saturday, and, and Eric Gilbert had 12. What do you make of where Eric is in this rundown and, and even, too, what Oscar Delp has done to put him in this position? Is that me or Kip? Uh, yeah, for you, Rusty. Um, listen, it's early in this deal, and um, I think with Kirby Smart talking a little bit about Eric Gilbert, you hear the word consistency, and that's day in and day out. And this this young man still, um, he's, he's a human being, and he's continuing every day to – um, be the best Eric Gilbert he can be without getting into too many things that, that don't need to be getting into here. Uh, but I think as the year goes on, I expect at some point Eric Gilbert will get uh, reps and, and meaningful time. Uh, but right now, Georgia feels like it looks to me like their best option are those three with, with Eric Gilbert coming in behind those guys. And that doesn't mean that's going to always be the same. And I don't, you know, I know people really want to see Eric Gilbert play, and I agree. But, I mean, listen, Oscar Delp's no joke. He was the number two rated tight end in the country. This is not like, this is not a walk-on situation. This isn't a two-star situation. This is a dude that could have went to a lot of schools, and he is a very talented player. So, uh, you know, every day you you just hope the best for Eric Gilbert and his, you know, what he's going through and some of the things he goes through as a person and, but the football player, he's special, and I know Georgia fans are excited to see him. But right now, I think Georgia feels like their best opportunity with those three guys a little bit ahead of him. And 
we'll see where he is. It's kind of a week to week thing to see what they get. I'll be interested to see how much he plays this weekend and how early they get him in. Kind of shifting gears, this was something that a lot of people had questions about, and I think was legitimately so, is what Malachi Starks' role will be going forward. Obviously, a great showing on Saturday. Didn't start. That was Dan Jackson, as we sort of expected. Uh, but, Rusty, with one game of sample size, what do you make about of what Malachi was able to do and uh, just what that could mean for the, the kind of role he has going forward? He, if he doesn't start his weekend, he's going to start. Now, let me let me say this. I said this in our early podcast in August. They don't have a guy in the room like Malachi Starks. And I mean that size-wise, uh, the, 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 the numbers he has. Now, Keely Ringo, we don't ever talk about Keely Ringo because he doesn't get tested. And, uh, you know, but he's a 10, 300-meter guy. I don't think people realize when you see Keely Ringo for the first time, you don't realize this guy's 200 pounds. I mean, this is a big dude. I bet you Keely Ringo weighs 205 right now, playing corner. And, uh, you know, he's world-class speed, 10, 300 meters. So then you look at a guy like Malachi Starks, and the number that jumps out to me, and you look at what he did, 24-7 long jumper. That's nuts at 205 pounds. The amount of explosion through your hips to be able to jump 24-7, is freaky. Let's just put it that way. Reggie Brown, only guy that I know George has ever had that went 24-9. This guy's 24-7. Uh, and that's a good plug for us. Uh 24-7 at 205 pounds safety. You saw the ball skills, the ability to be able to run as fast as you can. I would have torn both ACLs and probably got drugged to Grady across the street doing what he did. He ran as fast as he could. He turns his body, makes a play, oh by the way, and then lands on his back and able to complete the interception that's called ball skills and that's naturally god-given stuff right there to be able to do and and and, and kip watched the game jordan you watched the game the balls they threw at him he was all over dudes and i said this on here or maybe said deal i was told the only person in athens that puts a blanket and scrimmages on brock bowers is number 24 and don't think for one minute that georgia didn't know this guy can cover this guy can run that is invaluable. Now, I'm going to say this about Dan Jackson because he is the hot button on message boards. We, we know this. All three of us, we laughed about it, Jordan. What did I say, Jordan, in the press box? I said the only way this day gets better is if Dan Jackson gets a pick six and runs this thing 90 yards. Um, it, it, just to see the reaction. But Dan Jackson is going to continue to play. He's going to be a big, big part of this Georgia scheme going forward. When they go dime, Dan Jackson and Malachi Starks back there is two hellacious deep-end guys for me because they're both long and they both can run. Now, does Dan Jackson have the ball skills and coverage of Malachi Starks? He doesn't, but doesn't mean that Dan Jackson cannot help this team. And I guarantee you, you're going to see him play a lot this year. But those first reps, if it's not this weekend, sooner than later, it's going to be Malachi Starks playing free safety, and Chris Smith playing strong safety. I think people get that confused a lot. I see a lot of people saying Chris Smith playing deep safety. He's not. He's the strong safety, and Malachi Starks and Dan Jackson play free safety. Yeah, uh, that uh, seems like maybe a natural NIL deal with 247 and Malachi with the amount of talent he's got. <laughs> we'll probably hit him up on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what did you make of Malachi, what he was asked to do? Again, I mean, rising to the occasion with uh, that first interception, I mean, that looked like something out of a video game. What do you uh, take away from what he did in game one as a Bulldog? 
sometimes players are just too athletic and too talented to keep off the field. And you, you kind of saw that in, in you know, in, in preseason camp that Georgia was working to get him up to speed. They were working over. I mean, they were putting in the effort to make sure Malachi Starks was as ready for week one as he possibly could. And I mean, they're going to be okay with, with maybe some bumps in the road. And I thought he had a pretty good game. Uh, this is one of those games where there weren't, you know, they weren't making a lot. They weren't trying to break up a lot of passes. They kind of just knew that they were going to be able to keep everything in front of them. You saw that, you know, Oregon's longest play was like 22 yards. And it was like at the end of the first half. And I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to the back end there. You, you have a good mix. You not only do you know you have Malachi Starks in there, but you got some veteran safeties back there to pair with him to make sure that you know if you know he is ready and he has the right pre-snap read. And I think it, it's it's going to bode well for for Georgia this season because I mean by the end of the year, I mean we saw what he did in Week One. What's he going to look like in Week Ten, Week Eleven? You know if if he stays healthy and he continues to progress. Uh, I, I think he is one of those skies the limit type players. And yeah, for Chris Smith, I mean, uh, everyone kind of talked about Lewis scene, you know, losing a guy like that, a first round pick, it, it's a big deal. But some of those tackles uh, Chris Smith made, I mean, for being known for kind of being a coverage guy, he kind of reminded some people that he's not afraid to lower that shoulder either. And so that that's an aspect that should bode really well for Georgia's defense. If Chris Smith is able to, I mean, we, we're not really allowed to have enforcers in football anymore, but if he's allowed to be that guy to kind of keep these guys honest uh, across the middle and also come up and defend the run and, and be willing to, to take the running back down when needed, I think that's really, really good news for Georgia as well because they kind of have some guys with different skill sets back there. And if you can kind of be that guy and do a little bit of everything, uh, I think that's really going to help them moving forward. Chris Smith, Chris Smith, Kip covered him as well. Chris Smith's not a blazer, but he plays a hell of a lot faster on Saturdays. And that's all that matters. He is so instinctive. That ball, he jumped that route. That is formation recognition. He saw Bo Nix look that seam route down. And he jumped right in front of him. He did it last year, the same play almost with Clemson. So if you're not a 4 4 guy, the way you play at Georgia is you play faster because of your mind. He is a sure tackler, the guy can cover. And look, he might get knocked a little bit in the NFL for his top end, but at the University of Georgia, he's doing exactly what's asked, and he is producing in that back end. I think it's huge that he came back. And if you want examples yeah. of what Kip and Rusty were both talking about, two plays, besides that interception, an early run by Oregon, he ran up from the back end and made a great tackle, uh, tackle for loss. And then the play that might have been his last play of the game because he kind of had a stinger afterwards. He tracked down a deep shot and knocked the ball out of the Oregon receiver. I mean, laid a big hit on the guy. But not only to cover that ground, he made a heads-up play to avoid targeting because it would have been a very easy targeting penalty on that play. Go back to the play before Keely Ringo makes the pick in Bama and go watch Darian Kendrick getting beat on a ball. And Chris Smith comes over the top and bats that down. If Chris Smith's not able to get there, I'm Darian Kendrick's beat. He missed a guy on, off the line of scrimmage, and Alabama has a chance to to make a chunk play, if not a touchdown. There, that play doesn't get talked about. I'm telling you, man, Chris Smith plays a lot faster than he really is, and that is a very good thing. Especially that tells you how smart he is and how comfortable he is. Speaking of that, he's, he's picked six and right now on SEC Network. It's a shameless plug. So we're right in for Chris Smith at the right time. 
Everybody watching, if you got your TV, you uh, got your remote nearby, just click it on over there. Yeah. Uh, one more question before we wrap this up, because I actually got this on the Twitter space that I had last night. A couple people were interested on this. P. Rich 08 asked, how has Bear Alexander been progressing? You think we'll see him in the rotation soon? A lot of people were kind of caught off guard that he wasn't involved and wasn't out there uh, on Saturday. Uh, Rusty, any updates uh, or anything you've heard about Bear? Obviously, he was kind of behind in spring because Shoulder. of surgery before yeah. spring practice. Um, what mm -hmm. uh, What do you got on Bear? I go back to to the Jordan Davis. Now, I'm not saying he's Jordan Davis, but Jordan Davis didn't help George until the Florida game, the last back half of his freshman year. Bear, Bear Alexander's got to play himself into that rotation. He's got to get himself healthy, strength, build back up. It's, not, it's zero chance of panic time with him. Um, he's going to be a big part of what Georgia does. But right now, he's got two very seasoned guys in front of him. So to cut into those minutes, you have to show Georgia what you can do. And I think it's early. See if he plays, see if he plays Kent State as, as we get into that week four coming off South Carolina right before that SEC gauntlet starts. But in no need, I, that's that's the biggest overreaction to me from people is like, oh my God, I didn't play, you know, players not playing. Eric Gilbert, not really in the rotation. Bear Alexander, doesn't mean those guys will not be huge pieces of puzzle. We talk about Stetson Bennett a million times. Stetson Bennett was an afterthought this Monday last year. Not one person on this podcast was talking about Stetson Bennett or nobody in those comments were talking about Stetson Bennett. So there is a long way to go. and There'll be a lot of people step up for George as the year goes on. Jason Brett said, got to mention the potential year K-Mac has ahead of him. I was thoroughly impressed with what he did. And, and again, the fact they're willing to be so creative with him, he'll be somebody to watch. In, built, in built, built for the NFL, Jordan. Built for the NFL. And, oh, by the way, it was a three-star prospect. So uh, he's playing a lot better than what people had him ranked. And, and, and I'm telling you now, what we saw in person, Jordan, it's a lot faster in person than wasn't it Saturday when you see him, how quick he is stressing linebackers with the ball in the flat. And just how clean his cuts are. One of the plays he had when he caught the ball out of the backfield, I mean, he just made a cut, and that was like 10, 15 extra yards. It was unreal. Yep. Todd Monken's having to work with scraps out there. You got a walk-on quarterback, these three-star receivers, three-star running backs. I mean, man, once he gets his guys in there, these, these this team might be pretty good. He feels like you. he's in uh, Hattiesburg again, I'm sure. I got a lot of text Saturday about Ladd McConkey, and I'll share two seconds about Ladd McConkey. Uh, the longtime former head coach at Calhoun High School, Hal Lamb, called me. North Murray beat Calhoun for the first time in 185 years, and it was a big deal. And it was a shootout, like 45-41. And it, Ladd McConkey was the guy. And Hal Lamb called me. And I'll say this, his head coach – at North Murray, text me. He called me. He sent me DMs. We got to do. We got to do. Now, I get that a lot. Everybody's got the next Hunter Renfro. Everybody's got the next, you know, whoever. I was. I wouldn't say I was wrong on Lab McConkey because I didn't really have an opinion. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, everybody that I should have respected, lesson learned, that don't call me about every guy, call me about Lab McConkey. Like, this dude's different and a hell of an evaluation by Kirby Smart and his staff to go get him after signing day, the first one, and add him to second one. Because if not, that kid ends up at Mercer, uh, where he was probably going, or East Tennessee State. 
a huge Tennessee fan. I'm talking major, major Tennessee fan. Big-time Tennessee family, alumni. They didn't really sniff him. So, Lab McConkey is a guy that Georgia evaluated properly. Uh, they did their job in this kid in person, Jordan. Is it not? I mean, it's it's freaky. It's, it's change of direction now. It is nuts. And apologies to producer Jordan, who just had to endure that, because I'm sure he, <laughs> he he just tried to pull the plug <laughs> on it. <laughs> he just muted me. Sorry. Sorry. I, I just, I mean, look, I mean, it is what it is. And if you know that family, that, that's not season ticket holders. That's big money Tennessee fans there. And uh, uh, that, that was that's interesting how he ended up, at, you know, at the University of Georgia. But hell of an eval by Kirby Smart and his staff. Yeah, I can say as a as a fellow North Georgia guy, there's a bunch of Tennessee fans in that part of the state. And, Especially uh, that town. Yes, no doubt about it. Uh, well, we are going to wrap this episode up. Appreciate Rusty and Kip popping on. Appreciate all you guys for asking questions. Are we, every, sure. have we, have we every Thursday? I mean, every Tuesday? I'm not sure I'm right. That's going to be the plan. I believe we're going to shoot for Tuesdays and probably Wednesdays and uh, try to do that. We'll definitely do Tuesdays because – Good. Usually the availability will be later in the day when I'll be out talking to Kirby and company. Uh, but want to make sure too for everybody watching and everybody listening, this is we're recording on a Tuesday. If you're listening to this later, we have a deal that ends Tuesday night at 11:59 p.m. on Dogs 247, 75% off a VIP membership. It's well worth the money. You get a chance not only to check out our content, our message boards, also the, all the other 247 sites. Great deal, great timing because the season's now in. Uh, Rusty and Kip and myself have all kinds of insight and intel on there that we're keeping for the VIP members. So we need you guys to hop on there. And you can ask us questions. We do a ton of uh, Q&As, and Rusty has Ask Rusty that he does. Uh, we want to let you guys know everything we know, and the best way to do that is to go subscribe. Again, I mentioned earlier, uh, go subscribe to the YouTube, Dogs247, all kinds of good stuff there. So we're going to wrap it up there. Appreciate everybody watching, tuning in. Maybe if you're listening to this later, we really appreciate it. Make sure and subscribe. Tell all your friends about the podcast and come uh, come hang out with us because it's going to be uh, two times a week. And then also after the games, get a chance to hang out and talk about what we saw. So we're going to wrap it up there. Appreciate everybody for watching and listening. And until next time, take care. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.